Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine, bringing trending topics in the wine world to you every week. I'm Kim Simone. I am here with my co-host, Mark Lindsay. How are you this week, Mark? Everything is great, Kim. Wonderful. Well, we are sort of continuing our series of sort of unexpected things to do with wine. And our our episodes for the last couple of weeks have been about wine and Cheez-Its. And for today, we are talking about sort of this um, strangely traditional thing about mixing wine with soda, which sounds a little kind of off the beaten path and maybe something that you would never think to do with your fine wine. And maybe you're thinking, oh my goodness, these are people who are in the wine business and they drink all sorts of really wonderful, expensive wines that should not be <laughs> mixed with soda. But, uh, you know, if you think about wine as a, a cocktail base, or if you think about how do we get a new generation of people interested in wine, then maybe we need to think about it in a little bit of a different light. So that is how I came to this topic. Yeah, we're open to trying everything. And really, I wanted to understand what's going on with this, because there was an article, I forget what it was in, The Guardian, theguardian.com. It said, just add Coke to dilute your red wine. And I'm thinking, why do you want to do this? And because we brought up the whole issue we have when people add ice to wine and to each his own, right? Mm -hmm. Did you happen to have to research or want to research soda and wine or Coke and wine? I have you... enough anecdotal evidence from my life. Okay. <laughs> I don't so feel life... like I really needed to do any research because yeah. this has popped up over the last 40 years in my life for every once in a while that this is a conversation that happens about adding certain types of soda to red wine. And it's always red wine. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what I always assumed. Yeah. Red wine. I didn't do any research about white wine. I was just, as I was thinking about this topic, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this person and this person and this person and this person have a conversation with me about when they would add whatever variety of soda or whatever to their wine and different situations. And I think there's a lot of cultural background. That needs to be discussed. So I'm really excited to do that in this episode from wine drinking cultures that in a lot of places, this was a way that you taught your children how to drink wine. You cut it with something. So I think that that needs to be part of this conversation. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was had to research. I had to mm -hmm. research the history. Why did this come about? Why do people do it? You mentioned cultural and I saw a lot of evidence in that. But going back to what you said, so Kim, when you were brought up or in your family life, you've seen people doing this. You experienced people putting soda in their wine. Is that what you're I, saying? You know what? I wish. Um, 
So my mother is from an Italian family. Her grandparents immigrated to the U.S. in the 1910s, and some of her aunts and uncles were born in Italy. Her father and the other set of aunts and uncles were born here in the U.S. But culturally, they did their best to really try to assimilate once they were here in the Boston area. So that generation that were first either born here or the next generation, which was my mother's generation who were born here, were really trying to just be, we're Americans. That is first and foremost, we're, we're not really paying so much attention to our Italian heritage. So when I was being brought up, we didn't drink a lot of wine in my family. It was not really a thing. Like my dad would have a drink every once in a while. We didn't have wine with meals. My mother, every once in a while, would have like a wine cooler, you know, one of those old Bartles and James things that you got in the 1970s yeah. and 1980s. But it was not a part of my upbringing. And it wasn't really until I started studying Italian and started studying Italian history and archaeology and the classics of Greece and Rome that and food that wine started to become part of my life. And I remember having a conversation with my mother at one point where I don't even know how it came up, but every once in a while, my mother will surprise me with these things where she was like, she would be like, oh yeah, I grew up eating that thing. Like this, like a traditional Italian dish. And I'm like, well, why did you never make that for us when yeah, we were yeah. children? Like, why was that not part of my upbringing? And she doesn't really have an answer for it. Don't I don't know. But one of the things was we were at like Christmas Eve or, you know, something with the, with the whole family was there. Somebody was talking about cutting red wine with soda. And my mother was like, oh, yeah, we did that as children. I'm like, what? Like, you drank <laughs> wine as a child? Now, this is the woman who gave me a lot of hell for <laughs> wanting to have a glass of wine at Christmas seven days before I turned 21 when I had been in Italy for an entire semester. And she <laughs> wouldn't let me have a glass of wine because I was one week shy of being 21. And now she's telling me <laughs> that she would regularly wow. drink wine as a child because it was cut with soda. And all of her siblings and all of her cousins in the 1950s. This was just something that they did being in an Italian-American family. And I'm like, Ma, <laughs> you never told me that this was a thing. So apparently this was a thing that they would cut their red wine. Like the grownups would give the kids a little bit of red wine and there would be whether it was Coke or orange soda or something to cut it. And that now, was, was it that was homemade wine. Was it homemade? No. Wine? So my okay. my in-laws that my side of the my husband's side of the family that grew up in the New York, New Jersey area, they did make their own homemade wine. But my side of the family up here in the Boston area, we never made wine. Nope. It was the big jug of whatever. So do you think because <laughs> I, I the research I've done, I Sorry, never Mom. saw <laughs> Italy being popular and people in Italy doing it. Yeah. But. It seems like Italian Americans do it. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think that this is an Italian American thing. I don't think it's necessarily a folks who are Italian in Italy thing. When you're saying cutting it too, the article that brought this up for us to, to mention to the listeners mm -hmm. mentioned cutting it because the alcohol in wine is getting so high that soda cuts it and that it reduces the alcohol content. It doesn't make it as strong. I and thought that was a very interesting take on it. And not just that it's you're cutting it because the people who are drinking it maybe are children. 
Yeah. But that, yeah. the, well, but that's just like over, but that overall, yeah. the red wines that we have in the market these days are relatively high in alcohol content. Even, I mean, they do, they, they mentioned that like 20 years ago, most of what you would be getting that was a red wine would be between like 12 and 13%. And now it's really, I mean, even the white wines nowadays, if you turn the bottle over and you look at the alcohol content, we're really pushing 14% for a lot of things from all over the world. So, I mean, that alcohol level really across the board has gone up significantly in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. And that was the direction the article was saying that because of the high alcohol, but then learning a little bit more about it, it seemed like historically it was to offset bad wine. Uh, The people might have, but made some homemade wine and it has alcohol, but had no taste. So they would mix it with soda. And that made sense to me. It also made sense. Maybe you had some old wine or you just wanted something chilled. So you chilled some soda and you put it in there. So those reasons of why I can see, I I still at the time before I experimented with it, didn't understand (laughs) it. Like why, you, you know, it would do this. And as far as where, I remember for years going back a ways, hearing these stories about how this was the big thing in China, where the Chinese were getting into wine and they were getting into collecting very expensive and rare wines. And it's a cultural thing where someone comes to your house, you offer them high-end things to show I guess your visitors, his, you want to impress your visitors or whatever, mm-hmm. but they were cutting them with soda. <laughs> Did you hear that in the past? That no, this was I hadn't. Thing? No, not for the, not really? for the China thing. Because it was going around for so long. And then I started researching that and there was like a lot of things where it wasn't true. And then they, there was actually one blogger who put it out and said, you know, can anybody tell me if this is true? And people was like, I lived in China. I've seen it. But there was also a lot of other interesting feedback uh, about other countries, one of which was like Ethiopia, which it's very popular only because they wanted their wine because of temperature didn't last long Mm -hmm. and they wanted to give it some flavor or they wanted just something a little cooler. So they did that. They put it in. And then following that up, I've seen in Africa, same thing. They just wanted something chilled in their wine. Germany was popular. Argentina, it was popular. But the whole China thing really wasn't. Hmm. And that was yeah. the only one I've ever seen. Yeah. So that part of it, I thought, was really interesting. I have another one. Did you but see again, the this version? Is an... yeah, hmm? The Spanish one? Yes. <laughs> okay. That was where I was going to next. Are How we going to Spain? It? All right, go ahead. So Spain has a, a drink with red wine. Before Coke was even invented, the Spanish were putting cola in their red wine. It was called a Clamoco. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. It's C-A-L-I-M-O-C-H-O. And it was actually, like you started the show off, it was actually like a cocktail, right? Yeah. Calimocho. 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 Mocho. Yeah. In Spanish, the C-H is a a ch. Yeah. So it's popular really everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm to do this. I used to have roommates who were, they had moved here from Spain and that doing red was a thing. And if you do red orange soda, 
It tastes like some of the uh, less expensive pre-mixed sangrias that you get on the market. So like I had a little light bulb moment once when I realized that that was kind of what was going on with some of those pre-mixed things that are in the sort of fancy bottles that just taste like orange flavoring with red wine. It was like, I was like, oh, that's what those girls who I was, you know, roommates with at 22 years old, that's what they were talking about. Like, it's like sort of this inexpensive kind of quick way to do sangria, orange soda, red wine, throw some fruit in there and you have like insta sangria. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. For more information about Kim, please find her at CommonwealthWineSchool.com. For more information about myself, please go to FranklinLiquors.com. We are sponsored by Franklin Public Radio. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We are on Instagram at The Wonderful World of Wine and on Twitter at Wine Education. We're talking about soda and wine and adding soda into your wine. And Kim was just talking about her friends with orange soda. And Kim, I have to ask you, do you remember years ago, we had this topic about wine coolers and we talked about the Franklin wine cooler? Yes. I was actually going to bring that up because I, when I was starting to read about this topic that we were going to talk about today. That was one of the first things that came to mind because I remembered that we had this conversation about the quote unquote Franklin wine cooler. <laughs> right. And, and it just made you... me think like, oh, like my Italian heritage and yeah. Mark's Italian heritage and Franklin, Massachusetts, just it's all coalescing right now. <laughs> and I never even tried that. It, you know, according, it's in the Urban Dictionary, too. It's an orange soda with Calo Rossi Burgundy. How it's have you have you not one. done orange soda I've, and red I've wine? I've never tried it. You never have? No. All right. Well, until, I, I until, am going to talk to you about it in five minutes. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because for this episode, I tried the Coke and wine, and that was my first time experimenting with that. So I think now we have to tell the listeners what we did to explore this. And you yes. went, of course, beyond just the Coke. Uh, I did. You know me. So you did an orange version. So, all right. So I did four versions. So oh, I had geez. a, I had a Cote which I figured would be a good red wine to use because it it has a little bit of oak, but it's not like big, powerful Cabernet oak where you get the butteriness and the vanilla and the spice and all. It was more neutral and the texture of the wine was what you would expect out of a dry red. There wasn't any sweetness and there was some good tannins, but there was also a fair bit of weight and fruitiness to the wine. So that was kind of what I was looking for because this article that we referencing, one of the things that she talks about a lot. And this was written by Fiona Beckett, who has a really great food and wine pairing pairing website. And, and she's really a master at like, making food and wine pairings. But it was it was it kind of came back to this. Well, why do you want to do this in the first place? And part of it was because she has a friend who doesn't like big, high alcohol, big, powerful reds. So it was like, how do we get some of those textures in big red wines to be toned down a little bit so that somebody can enjoy the wine without having to go through that characteristics of a red that sometimes can be a little bit off-putting if you're not used to drinking red wine. So I wanted to do a red that had those characteristics to it. I wanted to have tannins, but I wanted to have fruit, but I wanted to have the dryness and I wanted to have the high acidity. So that's why I went with something from, from the Rhone. 
And I did. So the three things that we were talking about was doing Coke and doing sort of a water cutter like you would do with whiskey and then doing um, an ice cube. So making it cold, but then the ice cube would also dilute the wine a little bit. And then I went that extra step further and did uh, orange soda as well. So that was the red wine that I did. And then those were the four extra steps that I took. Now, what was the alcohol on it? It's about 14, 14, yeah. 14 and a half. Okay. So, yeah. high, so high. it was not like a wimpy little one. Yeah. So and Rome, what did you do? Well, I based on the article, I just wanted to find the highest alcohol I could find. I didn't oh, want to use a okay. fortified wine. I, I thought about using fortified, but I'd say, well, fortified with soda or tonic is pretty popular with white port which yeah right so and then you have said, all the extra sugar in there that you have to deal with yeah and then yeah. I, I so i obviously went to the zinfandel section and i picked the highest yeah. alcohol zin i had it was like 15 but it was a you know not an expensive zinfandel and well, uh, that's that's what I, interesting that you and i kind of took different um yeah, different like we always do we always do <laughs> i know it's like <laughs> Which is hopefully good for the listeners that yeah. we do different things. So this is good. This is why we don't talk about it ahead of time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess my whole thing. I I was actually kind of nervous for first. Of course, I checked the wine. You know, typical Zinfandel, and it was it was you could get the alcohol. And then I forgot. I, I was hoping, and they mentioned how do you mix it? Is it a one to one or is it two to one mm. or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I did yeah. do some research. It said fifty fifty of each then i'm thinking oh how am i gonna you know my normal wine glass has no markings how am i gonna make sure this is really scientific so i just got a shot glass oh good okay two shots of wine two shots of soda and i chilled the coke and i took my first sip kim and i was surprised i was surprised because the wine in a good way or a bad way <laughs> in a, it not in a bad way i thought it was going to be disgusting i couldn't drink it and i sat there and i you know, it was cool and it was totally different. It didn't taste like the wine I tasted without the Coke. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it the Coke actually, it totally overpowered the wine. I lost all Zinfandel profile. It just tasted like soda. Yeah. A watered down soda. Yep. You know, that so, was exactly my experience with the Coke as well. Which is, it's interesting with all that a Zinfandel gives you for profile and alcohol that it just totally was gone. And so yeah. I can see if you had a bad wine or older wine, you just wanted to get the alcohol from it, the adding Coke could save it. But it was an eye opener for me. I had a very ser uh, similar experience with mine and that I was not expecting the soda to so overwhelm the wine, but it absolutely did. So I did I did similar to you where I did like close to a 50-50 combo and yeah even just with uh and even it might even have been less than 50 50 so less soda but still more wine in my blend but you tasted the wine first correct oh Was yes it typical rhone a little little spice or totally typical yeah, yeah like good tannins not overly fruity a little on the leaner side but a good i mean i had a gigandas so it was yeah. you know kind of like a a step up coat de rhone it was good like it was a, a it was a wine that i would drink on its own and I pour that little bit of Coca-Cola in there and it completely lost all of its sense of self, I would wow. say. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Obviously, people, you wouldn't want to do this with an expensive or a high no, quality don't. wine because it totally <laughs> changes the profile. Yeah. But wow. So yeah. no spice, no... You Would you be able to, if you were blind, taste it on it? Would you... I mean, I would be able to tell that there was wine in there, but I would yeah, not be able to tell you tell what the wine was. Yeah. Nope. That's not at all. So, and then nope. you did it with, did your husband do this with you or did you do this on your own? No, I did this one more on my own. 
Because I was so, like, I'm not going to subject you to doing soda and wine. Then you put water. So I did water and I did an ice cube. And there is a reason why they tell you don't chill down your red wines. Because when I put an ice cube in my glass of Cote d'Aron, once it was cold, I could taste nothing of the wine. All I got was tannins and a complete lack of flavor. So it was just, it completely deadened the wine. So it, yeah. that was a disappointing experience. And what was the thought why you wanted to use orange? Just, just because it? <laughs> it's like a traditional was, thing, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to say that was probably the the most successful pairing of any of the things that I oh, did. Oh, wow. Was the orange soda. Yeah. Tell us, but tell because us it how. made it taste like sangria. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So it added the orange, which when I make sangria, I add sugar and lemon juice and brandy and Cointreau. So this covered the orange part and the sweet part. And all it didn't do was bump up the alcohol level. So it really did taste like just sort of cheap sangria. So Yeah, but you not the typical wine you would use red wine for sangria because of the style um i mean i would use something that was a little bit fruitier fruit yeah um but i mean it's kind of along the same lines because i tend to use and i recommend that people use wine red wines for sangria that are dry fruit forward no oak and that aren't too like powerfully tannic you don't want something that has a lot of tannins so yeah this i mean kind of sort of fit the bill it was a little more tannic than i would use for sangria but still if if i had a less expensive roan blend then i would absolutely use that i'm glad you brought up sangria cuz I, I made a note that i was thinking this is crazy and then i was thinking you know what sangria but i mean yeah if when you're making sangria it's about fruit sugar right so why and I actually think that sangria is sort of a natural extension of this topic. Yeah. So I it is relatable to Yeah. It. So that's why I wanted to, one of the reasons why I wanted to do the orange as well, because I remember thinking that is what orange soda and red wine taste like to me is inexpensive sangria. So I felt like it was just a sort of a natural extension of the conversation. And hey, maybe that's where sangria came from in the first place. Well, the sangria came from the Franklin wine cooler. <laughs> <laughs> we were onto something a long time ago. That, right. You it, you influenced uh you yeah, influenced I mean, it's, the whole world. It does make sense that you could substitute the soda for the sugar and the fruit. Sure. And, and making and, and that led me to what I wanted to talk about. If we could match profiles of wine to profiles of soda for drinks oh. like that. So you had mentioned orange soda with the red wine. And I was thinking like Sprite, which is lemon lime, would work with Sablancs, right? Mm. Pinot Grigio, people use it for sangria. But then you have other things out there. Like what about like a Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper with Rhone or something with spice mm. or herbal or vegetal. idea. You know, I mean, it, there's probably some interesting combinations. We should probably do like our last show. We should probably do a pairing sodas and wine, <laughs> right? I'm game. But what other types of sodas? I mean, you could do it with flavored seltzers. You know, there's cherry seltzers, which would work with a ton of different red wines. I mean, cherry, that's our old joke, right? You cherry. could do 
ginger ale with something spicy. Yeah. Ginger ale is an interesting one. Yeah. Would you go more red or more white? I'm thinking a white spice. I think I would go white. Yeah. But something that has that spice to it. So like, I don't know, Gewurztraminer or something like that. There's so many things. And like I said, I was really surprised. You know, I first I made the first glass. The only thing that kind of disappointed me that it got warm fast. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, should I add ice to it now? And it's really just, but it worked. It was it was something on a warm day. If I now, if I have let's say a like a bottle of Zinfandel, I've had open too long that I know I'm not going to cook with it or something. Which I'm not like you. I never would. <laughs> but I would probably just mix it, you know, into soda and make make yourself a little uh, a little cocktail have a kind nice of thing. Little drink out of it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, but the the history thing was was interesting, and I was I, I don't know if I was disappointed about the. The China thing. Italy was the only place I didn't see that does that. Maybe because they use like the, you know, the Aperols and the limoncellos. But it also could be because it's an Italian-American thing and not an Italian thing. But the only thing I saw related to was the Italian-Americans making their own wine. It was so bad that they came up with this this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, beware it. And then the rest of them just the tradition. When you were in Italy, did you see anybody doing anything with soda? No. Why? No. It might be that somebody would do it for their, you know, seven-year-old, but I was not um, aware of any mixing of wine when I was in Italy. Do you think that's a way to teach? Yeah, I think that I actually think that that's probably a big part of it is you need to teach the kids how to how to appreciate wine and drink wine. And so you sort of start with something that is lighter and sweeter and is not so aggressively alcoholic. So I absolutely buy into the idea that that is one of the reasons why you would serve this to to children. See, I was I was thinking more when I was thinking, teach you, you went to the kids, but I was thinking actually for people that say, I hate wine, right? You think this is a way you mix the little soda into your wine that you're drinking and say, hey, try this. Well, it's, it's, you're drinking it's wine. you know, half a dozen of one, six of the other, right? Yeah. I mean, whether yeah. they're 30 years old and don't like wine and need to be taught how to like wine or, or they're 10. You know, I kind of feel like it's all sort of the same thing, especially when you're in a culture where, you know, wine drinking is de rigueur. Well, then you look back when was the Romans and they Mm. mixed all sorts of stuff. The Greeks mixed pine into their wine. Right. I mean. And my husband asked if one of the things I was going to mix into the wine was salt water, because that was what the Greeks did. Yeah. I don't know. Like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to that level. Well, we could try it with Gatorade or something like that, right? <laughs> that's true. Electrolytes, <laughs> all sorts of things. Oh my like goodness, that. that's the modern day equivalent, isn't it? Yeah, Red Bull. That would be. Oh, you're brilliant. That, that would be interesting. Okay, but, yeah, next show. <laughs> yeah. Well, another uh, experience. It's, it's isn't it funny though how we've been drinking wine and in the wine world for so long well me long and you you're a lot younger but we we never do these types of things you know it's like because we don't think it's something that's done in the in the wine world but there's people that are doing it so well not when you're like fine wine folks yeah we like to go a little bit outside the box and uh do things like this but yeah this i feel like this has led to more ideas and more questions <laughs> yeah. Than, yeah. than we started out with. So uh, so this could lead us down to down some very interesting rabbit holes. I hope like uh, the listeners when they hear our shows that they want to research stuff like we do for the shows. You know, I 
it, I just hope it brings up conversation about looking at different things. Well, I also feel like, you know, it makes people realize that wine should be fun and that it doesn't all have to be about scores and collecting and 10 different aromas that you are picking up on when you're right. tasting a wine or nosing a wine. You know, wine should be a pleasure. And that's what you like, right? That's what yeah, you like. Yeah, it's about yeah. what you like. Sometimes we get a little silly about it. Sometimes we do something a little bit different. But at the end of the day, for us, wine is pleasure and enjoyment. And so if every once in a while we do one of these themes that is a little bit outside the box, hopefully we're making it interesting for you, our listeners, and just can realize that it is a, it's a fun topic that doesn't always have to be taken very, very seriously. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine, and past episodes are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are supported by Franklin Public Radio, and you can find our Instagram at The Wonderful World of Wine and on Twitter at Wine Education. Cheers. Cheers.